when I was traveling around the world um, by 2006, um, I had been to maybe 25 countries and five continents. And people were coming up to me saying, you know, I noticed I can tell the difference when I ate a GMO. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit it that I didn't believe them because I figured it would just be some kind of epidemiological change in a graph. And maybe you've seen my graphs with more than 30 diseases rising in parallel with the increase of GMOs and Roundup. They hadn't been created yet. But in 2006, I was invited to the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. And I gave a talk and asked whether whether the doctors would be prescribing non-GMO diets. I asked for a show of hands, and sure enough, many said they would. Now, each of these, I went in 2006, 7, 8, and 9. Same American Academy. And they had different themes. One year it was inflammation and allergies. One it was cancer. It was something else. So I would take all the research on GMOs about that particular theme and tell people, <clears throat> tell the doctors what the research was supporting the link between GMOs and that particular disease. So it was a fun exercise. Because having done all this research and just giving the same introductory lecture and over and over again, you have this 100% of my knowledge on GMOs and I get to speak on 1% every day, every night, over and over again. During interviews, it's even less. So it was fun gathering it all and making these PowerPoints. In 2009, I showed up to get an award, an environmental medicine award. <clears throat> I brought a video camera and I started interviewing uh, physicians. And they started telling me that their patients who were eating GMOs were getting inflammation more, were having higher allergic reactions. Dr. Emily Lindner told me that she puts everyone on a non-GMO diet and they all get better. And again, I was skeptical. So I said, what percentage? She said, I told you every, okay, 98%. I said, how many patients have you put on a non-GMO diet? She then took some time to calculate how many patients a day per week, how many years. She looked up and said about 5,000. I was like, whoa, can I go to your office and interview the patients? She said, sure. So I did, and I was hearing the same thing. Now, she was putting people on largely an organic diet, and whole food diet, and sometimes gluten-free and sometimes dairy-free. And it was hard to identify whether it was the GMO or these other confounding factors. But around the same time, I went to some farms and interviewed the farmers who had taken pigs and cows off of GMO feed and put them on non-GMO feed. And they were experiencing the same improvements that I heard from the people in these in her office and in other uh, practitioners' offices. The pigs were, get, were getting rid of diarrhea. The humans were getting rid of their Crohn's disease and irritable bowel symptoms and other things like that. And by the way, all the farmers that I interviewed who talked about their animals, what their difference was between GM and non-GM, they all used this very technical term, independent of each other, never hearing that someone else said it. They all said these animals are happier. One person said you could see it in their eyes. The other stories about the damage that come that, that happens to animals, the, the veterinarian that said the liver looks like it's been exploded and and uh, others that talked about these things. But anyway, I realized that when these when these farm animals are switched, they're not eating organic and there's no gluten free 
pigs or dairy-free cows. It was just the GMO. So it gave me confidence. So I started interviewing people in the audience, big survey audience, like, you know, tell me what percentage of your audience, of the audience, what percentage of you are eating up to 20% non-GMO, 20% or less, raise your hand, 20 to 40, 40 to 60, 60 to 80, 80 to 100. And I got a chance to see the people in the audience, what their eating habits were by a show of hands. And at the end, after giving a talk for 15 minutes, half an hour, two hours, whatever, I'd say, now, how many, how, how, how much non-GM, how much GMOs do you plan to eat? How many people, you know, plan to eat zero to 20% of your diet? Raise your hand. No one raised your hand ever. Hundreds of lectures, 20, except one time person raised their hand like this. I knew he was like a biotech plant. Um, 20 to 40, 20, zero to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 60, a bunch, 60 to 80 more, 80 to 100, sometimes the whole room would raise their hand. So I was converting audiences to non-GMO eating and getting them to raise their hand, which helps them make the commitment. They saw other people doing it. It was verifying, it was helpful, and it told me that the lectures worked. But after, a, in 2012, when I released Genetic Roulette, the movie, not the book, and I was traveling around, Prop 37 was trying to label GMOs in California. I decided to do something. I said, okay, I'd go through that 20 to 40, 40 to 60, and I'd see how many people were largely eating GMOs, you know, between the 60 and 100. I said, to you, when you switch to non-GMO, how many people noticed an improvement in your health? Virtually everyone raised their hand. I said, give me an example. Someone might say acid reflux, irritable bowel, diarrhea, and say, okay, how many people notice an improvement in digestion? That was always the number one. And then people say more energy, less brain fog, and then I would, that was, that combination was always number two. It just, people were giving me incredible repetition from lecture after lecture. I did the same thing at about a dozen or two medical conferences where I said, about your patients that you put on a non-GMO organic diet, what kind of results are they getting? And they told me, and it was like verified. So we put out a survey of 3,256 people. And sure enough, the same results that we saw in the 150 lectures, 85% showed a uh, improvement, significant improvement in digestion, then uh, improved fatigue, improvements from fatigue, uh, weight gain or weight loss, you know, overcoming obesity, uh, brain fog, anxiety and depression, uh, allergic and food sensitivities, and that's all above 50%. And then there was about 24 others that went down to about 2%. But same kind of results, same relative order as the, as the um, lectures. And some were talking about in the survey, their kids or family members or their patients. So I decided to do uh, a film with Amy Hart called Secret Ingredients, where we actually interviewed some of the people to put faces to these to this data. And that turns out to be more effective than anything we've seen at convincing someone to eat an organic diet. Secret Ingredients at secretingredientsmovie.com. So in there, for example, so Amy Hart and I went to a, chiro a chiropractic conference. And I said from the talk, uh, if you have any stories you want to tell about your recovery or your or your patients, come to the to booth, give us your name, and we'll do an interview because we have a camera. <clears throat> so the first person to come in 
was Kathleen DiChiara, who was the main, her family, whoops, her family is the main family in here. Uh, 21 chronic conditions between the five of them, dramatic recovery, child is no longer on the autistic spectrum, etc. The next person to come in was Dr. Marcia Schaefer, also in there. She had a chiro has a chiropractic clinic, and for some reason, she ends up getting a lot of patients who have infertility because her infertility correction rate is astounding. And at the time, she had about 52 infertile couples that came to her, and all of them overcame their infertility and either were pregnant or had kids. By the time we did the movie, it was 92. Last time I talked to her was 123. And in every case, I said, how many couples who are following your protocol have not, or infertile, have not gotten pregnant? She said, zero. She has mindset, chiropractic, but she and I both agree, the number one, she puts them all on an organic diet. And I use the word organic, not just non-GMO, because if you've seen my lectures in the last five years, maybe 10, Roundup is a key player in some of these diseases, and Roundup is sprayed on non-GMO crops, but not on organic crops. So organic gets rid of the GMOs and the Roundup and a bunch of other nasties. Okay, so that's that. Now, in my travels around, in my Healing from GMOs and Roundup series, so people ask me, what more can we do besides switch to non-GMO? So I interviewed a bunch of people, but I also interviewed Barbara Royal, who's a veterinarian. She wrote a book, The Royal Diet or something like that. Um, she's Oprah Winfrey's vet. I went there and interviewed her um, for a film that's available at petsandgmos.com. And she said that when she was in veterinary school, they never talked about allergies and cancer for dogs. Now it's constant almost every day. And they didn't have GMOs before, and now they did. So she was very cautiously suggesting that they change their diet and quickly found that 80 to 90% of the animals had either completely healed symptoms or were manageable by their next visit. So then it became her protocol, no matter what. Every single time she'd have a new client, a new patient, she'd put them on the new diet and they'd come back and very few needed attention, except of course the physical problems, you know, injuries. And it reminded me of Dr. Michael Fox, who wrote Animal Doctor, the um, column, uh, read by 25 to 30 million. When GMOs were put on the market, he said he would get a raft of letters from people saying intractable diarrhea and itching and allergies. He said, take them off the GMOs. He filled up a file cabinet of letters confirming that that solved the problem. So there's a lot of stories about animals, pets, and livestock with the GMOs. Mm -hmm.